The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. Welcome to Healthy Lifestyle with Lorianne. I am Lorianne Castia. Our goal here at Healthy Lifestyle is to inspire, educate, and empower you to fulfill a healthy, emotional, spiritual, and physical life so you can feel empowered to live the life you've always wanted and dreamed. Welcome to the show. I hope you're having a great day. I am a life and business transformational success coach, illuminating and empower others to find and embrace their life purpose, live their highest vision, and forge a strong foundation to, what do I always say? Soar to success. That's right. I work with growth-minded business owners and executives to build strategies and structure while providing the support and accountability needed to make their ambitious dreams a reality. Find out more information at ldcstrategies.com. That's ldcstrategies.com. Today on our show, we have the great, the wonderful Kim Sorrell. She's an entrepreneur and director of humanitarian organization, author, and speaker. She She's dedicated a year to searching for the true meaning of love, and we'll talk about that. And guess what? She found it. What Kim learned about love is unlike anything you've ever heard before, and her award-winning bestseller, Love Is, found on Amazon.com, by the way, chronicles her sometimes funny, sometimes scary, always enlightening journey that led to the life-changing discoveries found mainly on the streets of Haiti, I think it's called, or Haiti. Not sure. She'll let us know. Kim's now on a mission to change the world with the power of love. Welcome to the show, Kim Sorrell. How are you? Lorianne, I have been so looking forward to talking to you. You are amazing, amazing, amazing. Everybody should listen to your podcast and listen to you and hire you and you're fabulous. So thank you. Thank you. Thank oh you. Thank you. Right back at you, girl. I love it. I love that we're you know, live on radio here and uh, it eventually gets podcasted. So yeah, you can catch us live or catch us on the, on the flip. So it's so good to have you. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's cold where I am in Michigan. There's some snow on the ground, but other than that, (laughs) life is good. We had a little snow this past week and it hit the ground and then disappeared. So life is good. (laughs) So let's talk about you. Um, You spent a whole year trying to discover what let's bring us back to like, what started this quest for you? Well, I was married to the most incredible guy. And a few years ago I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And uh, four months later, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Oh my God. And he passed away six weeks after that. And so I, I love that man and thought I had my life laid out. You know, you're going to grow old. You're going to be those 95 year old people in, on rockers on the front porch drinking lemonade and smiling at each other or whatever yeah. it is that 95 year old people do, right? Yeah. Walking down the beach hand in hand at 95. <laughs> That's the vision. Yeah. Right, right. So I found myself alone and figuring out life and questioning some things. And one of the things I questioned was love. And was I doing it right? You know, I wanted to make sure that I was honoring my husband the right way and living the right way. And so I decided I needed to figure out what it, what love really is. So why love? Why not anything else? Well, 
you know, uh, for a couple different reasons, but um, I think the biggest one is that that love is universal and love, love is everything, but there seems to be this mystery with love. Like we think we know, people think they know, and then something happens and it's like, wow, did I really understand that? You know, and there's Nicholas Sparks love and Ed Sheeran love and whoever, John Legend love, and they can all be described a little bit differently. And so I think nobody really has done this deep dive where they dedicate a year just to figure it out. And so I thought, well, why not me? Might as well be me. Yeah, it's, it, it makes perfect sense because you loved your husband. Um, he passed really suddenly for you, uh, for, for all of us, right? Um, and so it does put a question, but I find it intriguing that that's your question, that it wasn't what normally pe- people would say, which is, why is this happening to me? Why, you know, why all these why questions and that that very emotional reason you dove into the I just want to understand what this really means and how how it really affects us because it's right from here right from the heart that's mm-hmm. where we should think from not from our brains from our heart so as you went through this what was the most surprising thing that you learned about love I learned so many incredible things about it. And I, I took this 2,000-year-old poem, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast. You hear it at weddings, your eyes glaze over because we hear it so often. And I took one word a month to figure out, well, what is love that is patient? What is love that is kind? And every single word, when you put love is or love is not in front of it, it totally changes the meaning of the word. And so from the very first month, it, it was a lot. Like I, I thought I knew, you know, I thought, oh, this will be easy. Some of them seemed easier than others. Uh, but um, the very, very first month I was looking for it, you know, love is patient, love is patient, love is patient. And every single month, it's like I'd get hit over the head with something at the end of the month that would show me what it really was, like being chased by a motorcycle gang or sleeping outside with tarantulas and chupacabras or whatever. And so, but like love is patient. If I, if I would have stopped after that month, my life would have changed. So I believe you're just supposed to love everybody. Like, so, so let's back up for a second. Cause you said um, love changes when you put love is in front of something love is, or love is not. Tell us more about that. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean when you say that? Well, like patience, like, I, you know what patience is. I know what patience is, right? You're not, not good at it, but yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, I, I second that emotion. I, you're honking your, not honking your horn if you're stuck in traffic, you know, whatever. But love that is patient is entirely different than that. If you love who you're with, and I just think you should just love everybody. So you, if you love who you're with, you recognize that this is the most important moment of your life. What's in the past is in the past. What's in the future is yet to come. This is the moment. And loving with love that is patient, you are fully, fully invested in this moment. You are completely there for them. You're present. You're present. And I'll tell you, this took me a lot of practice. I stunk at this. Like I thought I was this great multitasker and able to think about a hundred things and be in fully engaged at the same time and not true, but because I would be talking to somebody and thinking about a meeting I had later and who had to go to soccer practice and what I had to pick up at the grocery store and not really be there. But when I 
practiced and started doing this, my ears opened up. Like I heard things that I never would have heard before. So instead of assuming what I'm going to hear based on some label I put on somebody or what I know about them, I'm actually listening to what they have to say. Yes. Have you ever done something where you were working on something or <clears throat> engage in a project or something and time just disappears? Yeah. It's just not, it's not even, and then you look up and you're like, oh my God, where'd the day go? Because you're doing something that you love. You're doing something that fills you up. You're doing something that completes you at that very moment. That's what we mean by being present. It's all sense of time goes out the window because time is manufactured anyway, right? It's something that humans have put on so that we can keep momentum and it, it causes structure, right? But when we're doing something we love, time goes out the window. I know when I was singing, um, very first time I recognized it happened. It happened a lot when I was younger um, and happened still. But when I was younger specifically, I recognized it is when I was singing in a, um, I used to be a backup singer in some of the studios in New York City. And I would be, I would sit in this little room. They would put us all in this little room. And when somebody needed, because at the time they didn't do these overlays and everything wasn't electronic. Yeah, I'm that old, whatever. Um, move on, move along. Um so we would sit in the room and someone would call you in and say, sing this line. And they'd give you a piece of music. You go into the little box, you put your headsets on, you sing the little line. They go, thank you very much. And you go back into the room and wait for another opportunity. And you became a backup singer on all these different records. Yes, vinyl records. <laughs> and um, and I'll never forget doing that. And time would go away. It'd be two o'clock in the morning. Not even a clue. Because if I would sneak out of the little room they would put us in and go into the engineer's room and be like, what's that button for? What are you doing that for? How come you're doing that? They're like, get out. Because I was asking all these questions because I wanted to learn. But because I was doing something I love, singing is just like when I'm not happy, I sing and it puts me right in my happy place. Um, that was something. And when I'm coaching, I'm in that that scenario where I actually have to remember that it's this much time that we're supposed to be working because I do the whole day with someone without even thinking about it. So it, I have to really be mindful that I have to take into consideration time. Um, and to me, that's the definition of being present, right? That definition of love, love being present, being, you know, in that space. Does that resonate? Yeah. Oh, my word. Absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. And I, I think it's so absolutely so true, but it, I think it's also something that um, not everybody's great at, especially when it comes to people, but people aren't an interruption to your day. And I used to have those moments when I was like, oh my gosh, I'm working on something. I've got work to do. I've got places to go, people to see. I don't have time for you and, and sort of half listen. And uh, looking back, I mean, I was not showing love to people. I was just hurrying them on. And, and, and that's not love. That's not love. Yeah. Yeah. That, that moving, move along, move along. Cause I have other stuff to do. It's really stopping. And there are times where I was like, Can you just give me two minutes because I want to give you my full attention. And that's when you do that actual hard shift. And it does. It takes practice to do that hard shift because we have other people and other things in our head going, go, 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 go. You know, we have that clock, that clock, that clock. So for me, that's an indicative of me being present when I have no idea what time it is. 
And I have no concept of any anything else except for where I am. That's completely engaged. Do you find that? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the way you said, you know, give me two minutes because there are times when you do need to hurry off. You know, you have a meeting at a certain time and you've got to be there for it and and you are in a hurry. But at those times to be able to say, I'm so sorry, this I, I just I don't have time and I want to give you my full attention when we talk. So can I call you later or can we set a date or whatever it happens to be? But uh, instead of just dismissing people, you know, people are the most relationships are the most important thing. People are the most important thing in your life. The yes. most important thing. Yes. Relationships are everything. So, you know, we tend to spend more time with our phones and computers than we do with people. And you spend time with people. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's um, unfortunately it's a learned art now. Um, It's like writing a handwritten letter is an art form now, but it's really important for that connection is what you discovered, right? Mm -hmm. What are are some of the other, um, the other love is that you went from that, that poem. I know you went through the whole poem, but what's other, some of the other discoveries that you had? Well, a, a big one is uh, love is kind. You know, we don't, we don't, but they're all big. I say a big one, but they're all big. Then they're also different from each other, but love is kind. And you know what kind is, you know, you're kind. People are kind. We do kind things. We say kind things. We show kindness, but love that is kind is kind, shows kindness, says kind things, acts kindly with zero expectation of getting anything in return. Zero. And how often have I heard in my life, and, and maybe you too, oh my gosh, they didn't even say thank you. Oh, or, or I went to their daughter's wedding, where are they at mine? Right? Yes. But the minute you do something to get something back, the minute you show kindness to get kindness returned, that's not love. You're, you're doing something to get something. Yeah, you know, you you might as well be doing a sales transaction or something. It, well, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it separates love and doing something for a transactional purpose. Love yeah. isn't transactional. No, love is not a transaction. That's such a huge statement. When I give you money and you give me a pair of jeans, that's a transaction. Correct. When I give you love to get love, that's a transaction. Love is not a transaction. Love is a one way street. It's a two-way street. It's one way. It's on you, period. It's on you, period. You have no control over the love that comes back to you. Zero control. And so if you give love, expecting love back, you're setting yourself up for heartache and loneliness and disappointment because people aren't going to live up to that. You know, you give love, period. Love loves, period. Zero expectations. Yeah, yeah, no, because you you create that environment which allows you to give. And if someone gives back, yay. But if they don't, it's okay because you, it's like holding the door and there's two doors in a row and you hold the first door and expect that person to hold the second door and it's in your face. And then you're upset about it. It's, it's the same kind of analogy as don't expect somebody to hold that second door. Open the second door too. So um, yeah, it's, it's that give back. It's that just feeling feeling yourself because you're doing it for the right reasons, just because you want to give them the love. And sometimes they just need it. And later on, they'll give it back to you. 
unexpectedly because then they need to give it to you. Mm-hmm. Right? So true. Yeah. And it's a whole different feeling. It's, yeah. it's a whole different action when you do something for somebody with no expectation of getting anything in return. Unconditional. Yeah. Yes. It just, it feels so good and it feels so right because love feels so good. Yeah. Love feels so right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's where for me, the definition of unconditional love comes from. It's like, it's okay. I know you're having a bad day. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have to hit, feel it back because I know I already feel it. I already know, you know, there's a knowing with it and everybody has good, ugly, you know, good, nice, ugly. Yeah. Good, bad, ugly. People, everybody has that. We all do. It's just a matter of where we want to spend most of our time, you know, where on the spectrum. And that's where the love comes in. And if you're always working from here, from the heart, um, I think, and tell me, because you're the love goddess here, um, that's that's when you know, no matter what circumstance you're in, get out of your head and go into your heart and the answer will always be right. Mm. I, I love the way you said that. You know, I, I have this uh, love challenge on my website. And if people join, I send a free WWLD wristband. What would love do? Because if you can answer any question that way, you're doing the right thing. And which is exactly what you just said. KimSorrell.com, right? KimSorrell.com. Yeah, it's S-O-R-R-E-L-L.com. K-I-F-S-O-R-R-E-L-L. Mm-hmm. dot com kim yeah you join the challenge it's a lot of fun you can uh, sign up for it right from the website right right yeah are you on social i am kim sorrell i'm literally the only kim sorrell spelled my way in the entire world because it's so obnoxious all those extra letters two r's to east wells but yes yeah i'm on all the social media channels love to hear from people so yes yeah, that would that's excellent. But I love that you have that challenge. What was the toughest month for you? What's the toughest month? Oh, the one that I was dreading is love keeps no record of wrongs. Because I thought, well, you might forgive people, but you don't forget the things that happen to you. And and so that month I was contacted by a man in the US to uh show him this water project I'd been working on in Haiti. And so I'm sure, you know, anybody can join and help out. And so I met them over there. Eight men came from the U.S. And two of my Haitian friends who both happened to be men came along with us. And we went out into the countryside to work on this water project. And we got there and it was this tiny little building where we were going to be staying. And it had two rooms and each room had four twin size beds. So eight American men, two Haitian men and me. But we brought a couple of cots with us. We brought an air mattress. So I'm thinking, oh, there's room. We'll make do. You know, it's Haiti. You only go in there to sleep. It's so hot, you know, whatever. And so uh, after a couple of minutes, the, the head guy from the U.S. called me over. Kim, Kim, can I talk to you? I'm like, sure. And he said, did you see the rooms? And I'm thinking, buddy, there is nothing else to see. And then I go, <laughs> oh, he's asking because he's going to think I want my own room. So I'll just say, well, it's okay. I'll sleep outside. And he'll say, oh, no, no. If anyone should sleep inside, it should be you. And I'll say, well, I don't care if there's other people in the room. And he'll say, good, because there's only so much space. So I said, well, it's okay. I'll sleep outside. And he said, oh, good, good. Because we've got men on this trip that would be uncomfortable with a woman in their room. 
Now, Lorianne, it is hot in Haiti and I wear pajamas to bed. I don't know what anybody thinks is going to happen in the dark of the night, but, but I said I would do it. So I had to figure it out. So I looked around and there was this piece of plywood and it was held up by kind of these wooden structures. And I thought, well, I'll put the air mattress under that. At least if it rains, I won't get wet. But I was afraid because there are snakes and there are tarantulas and there are chupacabras or whatever's lurking in the bushes of Haiti. I mean, there, there are things that I thought might dismember me. You know, could I get airlifted to Miami in time? Does Haiti have the anti-venom? You know, whatever. I was afraid. So the first night I went to bed, my air mattress held air for about an hour. And then I was laying on gravel. No. Yes. And it was so loud because dogs were barking and horns were honking. And finally, sometime after midnight, that died down. Then two o'clock in the morning, the voodoo drum started. And then that went on for a couple hours. And then finally, I was able to get some sleep. First night came and went, no problem. Second night, same thing. Nowhere, the dogs, the horns, the voodoo drums. Finally, I'm asleep. But I woke up. Wait. Before you finish the story, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Healthy Lifestyle with Lorianne. Yes, we're leaving you on this little hook. Come back. We're just taking a short break. We'll see you in a few minutes. Again, listening to Healthy Lifestyle with Lorianne. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Healthy Lifestyle with Lorianne. I am Lorianne Castia. If you'd like to be a guest or lift up your business product or not-for-profit, or if you have a question or comment, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at healthylifestylewitha at gmail.com. That's healthylifestylewitha at gmail.com. Love, love, love to hear, hear from you. So, of course, we left you dangling with Kim Sorrell's uh, story, and we're here with Kim Sorrell still at KimSorrell.com. You want to go there. She is our love goddess. That's what I call her anyway. Um, she has written this book called Love Is and was in the middle of the story, as you know, and we're going to pick up. So, Kim, I I'm dying here to find out what happened. So, first night, everything you know came and went other than really noisy until midnight and then 2am you had the drums the voodoo drums going on what happened the second night so the second night that same thing within an hour i'm sleeping on gravel and there's the dogs and there's the horns and there's the voodoo drums and i'm finally drifted off to sleep but i woke up because there was something on my leg and i was scared to death i thought oh my word what could it possibly be i didn't know if i wanted to see or not oh my gosh but i Felt like I had to. And so I slowly lifted my head and I slowly opened my eyes and it was a chicken. There was a dang chicken on my leg. No and I didn't know whether to be happy because it wasn't something worse or mad because it woke me up from the little bit of sleep that I was getting. But I shoot it away. Third night came and went. No problem. Fourth night. Again, I'm on gravel. Again, the drums, the horns, the, the dogs, the, the noise. And again, I'm dozing off to sleep. Finally, I'm asleep. But again, I woke up because there was something on my leg. And again, I was scared to death. And again, I just slowly lifted my head and I slowly opened my eyes. And again, it was the dang chicken. And again, oh. I didn't know whether to be happy or mad. Oh, that's hysterical. But that night we had chicken for dinner. So the fifth night came and went without incident. 
Everything was just fine. <laughs> and I got to tell you, at first I was mad. I thought, gosh, I, I, I hope my sons wouldn't treat a woman like this. Like I'm all about equality, but I'm still a human being. And I was being treated as less than a human being, you know? Yeah. And I thought, what, what's wrong with this picture? You know, I, I, I wasn't getting it. I was bitter. And then I realized, you know, bitterness only hurts you. It only hurts me. They don't know why. This is you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I decided I could not be bitter. And then it dawned on me. I'd been working all month, searching all month for love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And I finally found it. So, yes, we don't forget the things that happened to us. I'll never forget that time. It was intense. But the narrative changes, the tone changes. So instead of these rotten men that did this rotten thing to me, it's this funny thing that happened to me. And now I could literally sleep anywhere in the world and be perfectly fine. Well, and I'll turn the lens on you. And I totally get what you're saying. Absolutely. I'll turn the lens. You open the door by saying, it's okay. I'll sleep outside with an expectation that their answer would be something entirely different because we come from a culture for the most part where men will be like, no, no, you have to go inside. You know, we have to protect you. And you weren't in that culture. You were in a very male heavy um, society and culture that had a different view on things. So it was very interesting. But what I love about the story, there are so many things I love about the story. One is you stuck to your word. You said I'd stay outside. So you were like, all right, suck it up, princess. I'm sitting outside. You stayed outside and you used the same mattress that kept going down to the gravel, kept going down to the gravel, listening to all the noise and things like that. And then you had that learning curve. And that to me is always exciting is I always ask when I'm having a challenge is what am I supposed to learn here? And look at what you learned. You walked away and you were like, all right, you know what? I'm not going to keep that record. And now I found out what it is. So I love through your discovery on every level and sentence of that poem that you had an end of discovery, that you discovered what it really meant. And you put that in your book, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So all the stories are there. It's not like a rainbows and unicorns kind of a love book. It is the real nitty gritty down and dirty stuff that happened. And so I tell the stories of what leads to what I figured out about love. Now, in the past, you've said to me, there are some common beliefs about love that are not true. Can you share one or a few with us of what that is? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, So many. There are so many things. One is that love has no labels. Love has no labels. Love recognizes people as people, period. You know, you're Lorianne, I'm Kim, right? And, but we tend to put labels on people or we'll say things like, um, I love everybody. I love everybody, but those darn Republicans are, I love everybody, but those Democrats, you know, we, we put these labels on people and clump them together as, as something that we don't like, but people are people all over the world. We're all individuals. You know, sometimes I think about like the Mona Lisa. If the Mona Lisa went up for auction, I don't even know how many millions and millions and millions of dollars it would draw. And it's because it's one of a kind. It is a one of a kind masterpiece. Right? And so are you. So are you. There has never been anybody who's exactly like you. There will never be anybody exactly like you. There's nobody that has walked your walk. Nobody. 
You are one of a kind. You are beautiful just the way you are. You're created to be this incredible being that is unique and a, and a special individual, never before like you, uh, masterpiece. You yes. are a masterpiece. Yes. Right? And that's, that's what, even though it's an overused term, uh, sometimes in the wrong way, that's meaning of being genuinely yourself. Go inside. All our success codes are inside. You hear me say that all the time, Kim. All our success codes are inside. And for some reason, our society teaches us to look outside for validation. Look inside. You got it. You have everything. You have what the tools you need. And then God, source, universe, whoever your higher power is, however you refer to that, brings you opportunities and lays it right in front of you if you listen to the nudges and the whispers. It's right there. There are signs that will confirm you're on the right track. And believe it or not, we've said this here before, it's not a secret anymore, but the biggest secret is it's not It's not hard. It's easy. It comes easily. It comes with challenges, but that's where we're supposed to learn something. What am I supposed to learn? But like you said, we're all amazing individuals and we need to be who we are. And that's why we, I, God, I met you and I'm just like, oh my God. You know, I just love, because I love your, your effervescence. I love your critical thinking. I love how you analyze this and really research deeply into what love is. And you just ooze it. You just like, I, you can't help it. Like anytime I'm around you, it's just a love fest because that's what it is. You just emanate this love that it's hard to really put words around it. And I love that it has no labels because for me, I was brought up good people, bad people. Those are the only differentiators. The rest is intriguing. Like I want to know somebody's background because we're not the same and I haven't had the same experiences that you've had. And now like going to Haiti and doing that, that's amazing to me. No way for me not happening. My version of camping is in a building. Thank you very much. <laughs> so that would be very difficult for me. But like you, you were just like, all right, this is what I'm going to do because I'm here for a purpose. And um, you're, you're very you, you're very consistent with that. And I appreciate that. And what makes you really good about talking about what love is. And you're such a good speaker, like being out in front of groups that speak about that and helping corporations really incorporate that, that love value into their workspace. And I mean it in a appreciating each other way, right? That's how you work it. Yeah, absolutely. And appreciating each other way. That's huge. And another thing that's huge is authenticity. Yeah. People can tell if you're authentic or not. And so when you learn what love really is and then practice it, walk it, be it, be love, then uh, people see you in a whole different way. People want to do business with you. People yeah. are drawn to you yeah. and, and you care more about them as individuals than you don't just see them as a client or a customer, right. but you see them as another incredible masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. Flawless. Flawless in the masterpiece of them, of them, and and we're all learning all the time. We're all learning. It's just the the lessons are different, you know, depending on where you are in in your transitioning, um, and in your journey, in your whole journey. And I I really I love that. <laughs> so so in your book, you have a lot of chapters where, where each line you you go into these stories of how you discovered it, and tell us a little more. Well, uh, I was chased by a motorcycle gang 
um, one time. I mean, the the things that that happened were uh, crazy. Like, uh, like I think maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. I love a pickle gang, you crazy woman. <laughs> I love this. Oh my word! Well, I was crossing the border, going from Haiti to the Dominican Republic. I had a big truck, bigger than a pickup truck that I had to return to the Dominican Republic. So I was with two friends from the U.S., both men. And I'd crossed the border before. And you're always told, don't stop in Haiti, don't stop in Haiti, don't stop in Haiti. And every time I ever crossed the border, there was one building on the Dominican side. And the Haitian offices were in there. You'd get your passport stamp. The Dominican offices were in there. you get your passport stamp. So we went through, even though people are flagging us down and trying to stop us. We just drove through the border, got to the other side, realized they changed things and we were supposed to stop on the other side. Oh, no. So there was a Dominican man there who spoke English and told us what we had to do. And so we left. One of my friends stayed with all the tools and everything that we had in the back of the truck. And the other friend and I uh, got on motorcycles. So this the Dominican man uh, arranged a price for us for the motorcycles to take us back over, get our passport stamp, bring us back. So we go, we come back and they want more money. And I'm like, no, we negotiated a price. You know, we, you agreed to this price. So right. I'm not going to give you more money. And I walked away and we went and got our passport stamped on the Dominican side. And then we got in the truck to leave. And that Dominican man who was so sweet to us, jumped in the back. He needed a ride. So he was in the back with one of my friends with the tools and everything. And, and the other two of us were, were inside. And all of a sudden we're hearing, go, go, go faster, go faster. And we're thinking, what? And then we're hearing this banging. We were getting these big rocks thrown at us and they were hitting the truck. Oh, no. and, then, and then all of a sudden there were these motorcycles right behind us, a bunch of them. And so the guy that was driving Tom he drove like crazy and we're on dirt roads. We're on whatever kind of streets. I felt like we were going on two wheels when we went around a corner, like he was not slowing down. Sometimes the motorcycles would come up and be even with us and try to push us off the road. And he wasn't having it. He was just had his head straight and was driving as fast as he could. And it was crazy. It was crazy. Finally, they left us alone. Finally, no more motorcycles. And our adrenaline was pumping like mad. And my friend, Tom, who was driving, he said, well, what was that all about? And I said, well, they asked for more money, you know, after they, they took us across and I didn't give it to him. And, and he said, well, well, how much more did they want? And I said, uh, $5. And so all of that could have been avoided for $5. So good lesson learned for me that maybe next time I just pay the $5. Well, you sat in principle, so I understand that. But yeah, I'd give them the $5 as opposed to having the adrenaline rush that you had. <laughs> but uh, what an adventure. What a great movie that would make, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Sandra Bullock, I'm thinking. Could yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Um, so wild. So wild. Do you... Um, you're really amazing. What's uh, what's your why? Why do you do what you do? I love people. I love people. And I have always wanted to serve and help. And I run a nonprofit. And so I get to do those things. And and uh, 
I just really believe that the things that I learned about love are unlike things that people have ever been taught before. And if people lived in this love, loved the way love is supposed to be, the world would be a different place. So I am passionate about sharing what love really is. So people can have the right relationships and enjoy life and have freedom. That's one big thing about love yeah. is when you love and just love, it's complete freedom because yeah. it's not your job to fix anybody yeah. or, or judge or condemn. It, it's not your job. Yeah. Your job is just to love. And there's nothing more freeing than that. Love and be who you are. Mm-hmm. I love who you are. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest job we really have here. And once that, once you connect all those things, everything else falls into place. Mm-hmm. And time becomes really something that you don't even notice because you're just in love. And that's that's how you know. That's how you know. And you know that you're loving the people around you and you're surrounded by love and you don't have to worry about checking, you know, making sure your back is covered because people who love you take care of you. They take good care of you. I love the fact that you're a director of a non-for-profit organization. Which organization? Rays of Hope International is the name of the organization. What what is it? We're a partnering organization. So we work with people in their own country. They have a passion, a mission, a vision to do something to help people in their own country. So they understand the culture. They understand the language. They understand the real need. But they just need someone to walk alongside. So sometimes that's in helping develop a business plan for a, a school or, you know, you, you can't have school without pencils. So sometimes it's supplies and medical clinics, you know, you need medical supplies and you need uh, a system set up. And so it's whatever is needed for whatever project that we get involved in that that's what we do always leading towards self-sustainability. So they can do something where they can stop chasing dollars and just do what they believe they're called to do. Yeah, teach them how to fish, right? Teach them how to fish. Um, tell me how I can support you with that because I would love to to help you any way I can. I cannot believe you're a mother of five and a grandmother of eleven. What the heck? <laughs> you look like you're like twenty two to begin with. So what was that? And, and here's the thing that really flabbergasted me that you were. Base basketball coach for 25 years and varsity um, coach for for 17 years. Is that right? Volleyball, yeah, varsity volleyball for 17 That's just amazing. Just amazing. What happened with that? <laughs> well, I played three sports in school. I, in high school, I played basketball, volleyball, and softball. And know the power of athletics. You know, team, learning how to be on a team and, and healthy competition. And there, there's so much that can be learned from sports. Yeah, And so I loved coaching. It was, it was so fun to coach. I started coaching right out of high school and uh, it was just so fun to coach. And I still am in contact with a lot of the players that I had over the years. I was mistress of ceremonies at weddings more times than I can count and loved every single one of them. So it's a, it's a different relationship. As you know, you're a coach. Yeah. It's a different relationship, coach to player, coach to client. Yeah. Then, then it is a teacher or a parent or anything else. It's it's a different relationship, and we 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 don't stand in front. We walk next to and stand behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just we're cheerleaders. That's what we do, and we teach them the best about themselves. That's that's what we're 
we're just bringing out what we already know, the success within. We're just letting them tap into it and realize what they really have. And that's the fun part about coaching for me is being able to tap into that to somebody and say, it's been there all along. We just had to have you open that door and recognize it because our society actually closes those doors on us because it's easier to move us if we're molded into their mold. And we need to stay in our mold. So being pigeonholed and uh, all the other titles that we get um, is really for other people's comfort and for ease of them and what they're doing as opposed to what coaches do, which is, no, I don't want you in a mold. We have to learn to work together, but we still need you in your magnificent self to show up because those are the gifts that you're supposed to present to the world. And when you're not sharing your gifts, shame on you. That's not what you're supposed to do. (laughs) So true. So true. And it doesn't matter if it's athletics or anything else. I mean, you are bringing out the best in people that that is your job as a coach to support, to root for, be the biggest cheerleader and bring out the best. And hold accountability and hold a space to allow them to push harder and to say, no, you got this Do another, you know, drop and give me 10. It's not to be mean. It's to allow them to push through those hard times. That's where I see there's that gap right there at the top of the hill that I see a lot of people stop. They stop just before they get over that 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 hurdle. And it's just that point when it gets really messy, you got to stay in. You got to find a way because when you jump that hurdle, it's gorgeous on the other side. And so oh, if you yeah. stay in it, usually have a coach to keep you going, myself included, yourself included, we have coaches um, to help us over those hurdles because sometimes we can't see it. We're just too in the middle of it. I liken it to being um, on the coping of a pool and watching someone in the pool and they're treading water, keeping their head above water, right? And we're out there, we can see everything else because we're not emotionally attached to the outcome. We want it to be a good outcome for them. We want it to be the outcome they want, but we can also see things without emotion attached to it. And we can let them know, hey, it's okay. Let's do this. Take that bigger leap. I know you got this and push them along. So I I love what I do. I love what you do. Your book is Love Is. It's found on Amazon by Kim Sorrell. KimSorrell.com to join. What what program do you have going right now? 14-Day Love Challenge. 14-Day Love Challenge, just in time for Valentine's Day. Yes. So I'm so excited. You should jump on that. uh, be be part of that whole thing. When you get to Valentine's Day, you're going to have a great time. I know I'm uh, I'm excited about Valentine's Day this year because me, my bestie, and my honey, we're all going to see Billy Joel, and we're spending a whole whole uh, we're having dinner and the whole nine yards. And I cannot wait, cannot wait. It'll be a good Valentine's Day for all of us. So, what are you doing? Any any plans yet? I don't have plans except that I'm hoping you have a fourth ticket. Come on, girl. Okay. You come into town, I'll get you the ticket. <laughs> that would be great. I love Billy Joel. What a great yes. night. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. It was a great Christmas present to both of us. So it was really nice. But um, Kim, thank you so much for being on. You are a treasure. Love is Amazon.com. Kim Sorrell. Hook up with her on the website. Join her challenge and enjoy your February. Enjoy what you're doing and find the love. Work from a space of love. Kim, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for being here. 
today, Unhealthy Lifestyle with Lorianne. I hope we earn the privilege of your time. Again, I want to thank my guest today, Kim Sorrell. And if you're looking for a business coach, accountability, strategy, direction, a sounding board, or someone to help streamline your business and more, or if you're not sure what you need, feel free to reach out to us at 516-983-3591. And let's see if it's a good fit. I can certainly help you soar to success. Our team is here standing by. We are here when you're ready. Thank you again for joining us today on Healthy Lifestyle. Look for our show next Saturday at 3 p.m. Until next time, I am Ann Kazdia. Play a higher role, serve a higher purpose, show up for you and show up big. Kip Sorrell, you're my love. Talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Have a great day. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.